This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Guest waiting in the wings. Uh, we're going to be speaking now with Marcus Kolga, and he is a Toronto-based researcher, journalist, and a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. So. Marcus's research examines how foreign influence operations spread misinformation to Canadians through social media. This is a very interesting and important topic. And he's joining us now to talk about the threat that these things pose to democracy. Marcus, thank you for coming on the show and really important things to talk about, as I said. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So give us... um, Kind of the scene, set it up for us, if you will. We all know that misinformation spreads very quickly on social media, but how big is the issue in terms of the effect on Canadian politics, et cetera? Uh, well, yeah, look, uh, I mean, this isn't a new problem. No. Uh, we know that the, you know, the, the Russian government has been operating in this area of, uh, of disinformation and influence operations uh, pretty much since the Second World War, uh, when we discovered a, a major operation in 1945 targeting uh, Canadians, Canadian interests, uh, and a number of, uh, of Russian assets at that time, journalists, uh, elected officials and such. Um, and uh, they haven't really uh, stopped doing this since then. Um, and we've, of course, have other uh, authoritarian regimes who have jumped on board. And of course, we have domestic actors, uh, mm-hmm. those uh, individuals who are trying to push their own uh, agendas, conspiracy theories. All of this in, is in the mix. And uh, it is toxic. Uh, we We do have a very... Uh, congested uh, and uh, polluted information environment right now in Canada, not just on social media, uh, but uh, just generally online as well. And there are, there are millions of Canadians who we know are affected by this because most Canadians use social media. So at one time or another, I think almost all Canadians have been exposed to uh, misinformation and disinformation. And uh, it, it doesn't look like things are going to get any better anytime soon. This is a threat that is persistent. It's growing and uh, it could uh, affect eventually uh, erode trust in our uh, democracy, our elected officials and media. And we're seeing that happen every every single day. It, it's interesting, Marcus. It used to be that you had to worry about that bad actor being a reporter, maybe, or somebody who wrote a column and took a, a, a different the left wing or whatever it might be and pushed it and led people into believing, hey, this person knows their stuff. I should pay attention and hang on every word they say. But now with social media, you got a whole world of us stepping up and saying, hey, I've got an audience of people wanting to hear my opinion. And there's no more of that. Well, yeah, but with that, comes a level of responsibility. And right now, a lot of that research focuses on that misinformation from Russia, um, that what kind of ongoing threats that we should think about, worry about, and be aware of. And what Yeah, impact? well, you make a... Right, Kelly, you make a really, really good point about uh, opinions. I mean, in the old days, we may disagree with a, a columnist uh, who wrote uh, about their opinion on specific facts, but we all sort of agreed on what the basic facts were, and we may have different right. interpretations about them and argue about our opinions. Um, now the problem is, is that 
um, you know, we have countries like Russia who um, are injecting uh, information that is not based on facts. In fact, it's uh, based on lies, conspiracies. And and we've seen them target a range of topics, uh, very sensitive topics over the past uh, few years, especially here in Canada and the Western world. One of them is, of course, COVID. Um, we saw uh, Russian information operations target um, the the pandemic to advance uh, anti-vaccination narratives, uh, to promote vaccine hesitancy. And we saw this actually throughout the world. And even the European Union warned that Russian uh, information agents were trying to intensify the negative effects mm. of COVID during that period. Um, we've seen it during the uh, invasion of Ukraine, all sorts of disinformation being promoted uh, regularly by the Russian government and Russian state media outlets, and the and unfortunately, uh, some actors in Canada who who support them. This includes this uh, ongoing narrative that uh, Russia uh, is invading Ukraine to try and denazify it. Um, this is the excuse that Vladimir Putin used already during the the start of the war when he announced that it was a not a war but a three day operation to denazify right. Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine's Ukraine's president uh, is uh, is is part of the Jewish community, um, and there isn't a single far right party in in Ukraine's parliament. So it's a complete nonsense narrative, but it's intended uh, to turn us against Ukraine, and, and thankfully uh, that's not working. There's so many um, questions as to how something like this ends up working, right? Like, how do we measure? Uh, why it's so powerful, why this tactic can get so far. I mean, an obvious answer is that technology, everything is so widespread. Instantly, information is at your fingertips. So whether that information is true or not is almost irregardless of how big that information ends up feeling, right? So talk to us about the mechanics, please. Like, how does something like uh, state-sponsored actors... Um, work? How does the misinformation get spread so effectively and so quickly? Well, that is also a great question. Um, and the tactics are pretty similar across all of the authoritarian regimes that that use disinformation and influence operations to uh, to mislead us. Um, essentially, what happens is that there's someone in you know one of these capitals, whether it's Beijing or it's Moscow, Tehran, um, someone comes up with with a narrative uh, that uh, is misleading. It's false, but it's meant to advance the interests of those regimes. Um, that then is often uh, 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 publicized by diplomats that are uh, sometimes operating in a country like Canada, perhaps by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. They then move on to state media platforms. So in Russia's case, it's a, it's a platform called RT, which is its English language state controlled media outlet. Uh, and from there, the hope for these propagandists is that influencers will pick up that story and push it out on their own social media channels. It might get quoted by someone. And in that process, basically, it's like a laundromat. Uh, they wash out the, the regime's fingerprints from it, and it sounds like it's a legitimate uh, mm -hmm. a legitimate narrative. If, if there's someone that you can identify in social media that's Canadian or American um, who's retweeting this stuff, and that's really the gold standard. And in the, in the best case scenarios for these regimes, 
one of these influencers is picked up and it gets this influencer will get quoted by mainstream media on national television, for example, uh, promoting those same narratives. And that's the real that's the real objective of them. Usually they don't get that far, but they certainly are. They've created a swamp and a cesspool uh, in social media nowadays. And it's so scary because there are those people who just do that for their own platform, for their own benefit will spread. I have to be opposite. I have to say, oh, here's something that I can utilize that supports mm. that. And it's so scary. When we hear this stuff as Canadians, as anybody out there, what can we do about it, Marcus? And how can we be sure we're media illiterate? Because a lot of time it's media getting screamed at too for, you know, they make up so much stuff and push it through. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear that a lot that, uh, you know, people, a lot of these conspiracies are blaming mainstream media, you know, uh, good folks like you who are pre uh, presenting very good information to your audience. Um, you know, there are a few basic tips uh, that I tell Canadians that they can uh, deploy to sort of protect themselves. One is to check the source of the information that they're receiving. I'm an old school sort of guy. So I pay for a newspaper to be delivered mm. to my, my door every morning. I like that sensation of turning the, the pages of the newspaper while I'm drinking my coffee. Um, it costs money. Uh, to do that. And I, you know, I think we all recognize that good information, good media does cost. But, um, but when they do see news, you know, make sure that it's coming from a credible source, the one that you recognize, if it's, if it looks like it's coming from uh, somewhere outside, if you don't recognize the source, it's better not to maybe click on it. And if you click on it, um, you know, make sure that you you consume that information with a critical eye, that you're not necessarily, uh, you know, believing it and certainly not retweeting it. The other point I would say is that if you see a headline uh, on social media, um, a statement that is really uh, elicits a, an emotional reaction, you it makes you really angry, mm. for example, um, you know, it's probably meant to do that if that's the case. And so, you know, take a step back before you, you know, retweet or or like a, a, a post like that. Um, take a look at the headline. Again, take a look at the source. If you don't recognize it, it could be, uh, you know, uh, just a political opportunist and uh, uh, some website that is going to make money off of your click or off your like on that tweet. And, and that's what they're trying to do. So they're not always state actors either. It's all, Sometimes it's these grifters who are trying to do this too. Um, so those mm -hmm. are the two main steps that I would, and, and tools that I would suggest that uh, cognitive tools that Canadians should use when they're looking at social media and information posted on there. Yeah, Marcus, you're pointing out something so significant here, which is just like our reactionary uh, way of handling things, right? It's so easy with the click of a button, you're, you know, reposting, liking, you're taking sides, you're uh, just reacting to whatever is out there. And it's happening uh, like exponentially because of what it is to be tech you know to have a phone at your fingertips nowadays that's just what it means and you mentioned you know paying for sources that are reliable that are peer reviewed and we don't do that. The average person does not do that. You get your news off of TikTok and Twitter and everything else that's out there. So it's kind of ironic. Um, is it hard to then go from where we are now to almost turn it back, you know, unwind it and say, okay, we need to be more cautious. We need to be more, uh, you know, take, take a breath between things. Is it hard to have that conversation with people? Uh, well, you know, I, I, that's the, the, the question I get asked the most, um, you know, how do we fix this? Mm. Uh, you know, the unfortunate thing is that the genie really is, is out of the bottle. 
and uh, trying to get that genie back in is going to be very difficult. Um, and it's going to take a, a, a complete whole society approach to doing that. You know, I mentioned um, good media, newspapers costing money. Well, we need to make those newspapers available. Um, you know, local newspapers are shutting down all over the place. We need to make sure that uh, local communities have those newspapers because they're staffed by people like you, professional journalists who have been trained in the handling of facts, the verification of facts. Mm. We may not always like the facts, mm -hmm. uh, right. but facts are different from opinion. Um, and with, right. when it comes to professional journalists, you know, we have to trust them. Um, there are some uh, maybe some bad apples out there, but the ones that work for our legacy media companies, uh, you know, uh, papers like the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, the National Post, these people are professionals. We should trust them. That's their job. Uh, and so starting there and making sure that we have a healthy media environment uh, and healthy information that uh, that Canadians can consume, that's the very first point in or very first thing that we need to do mm. as we, you know, set up set about trying to heal the nation and end the polarization that's really um, just uh, continues to grow in our country. Yeah, there's so much to think about. And we didn't even get to AI and how things are getting worse on that front uh, in terms of like sifting through understanding misinformation from real information. But Marcus, we got to let you go. Hopefully we can get you back on again because uh, this is fascinating Anytime. stuff. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thanks for the time. We were speaking with Toronto-based researcher and journalist Marcus Kolka, and we were speaking about the problem of misinformation on social media and otherwise, um, you know, given to us and how it affects our democracy here in Canada. Um, I like how uh, in an article uh, that Marcus was involved in, it, there was a discussion simply of how you can even see a south of here, how the Republicans have picked up on this mm -hmm. and how it, it's affected their viewpoints and started to erode the support for Ukraine. Um, and, and you just don't want to you don't want to see that. No, you don't want any of that with any of the things going on like that. But we are exposed to so much. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. Marcus said.